Hey, this is Ronnie LeBlanc from Expedition Bigfoot, and you're listening to The Paranomaly Zone. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. A ghostly apparition in the dark of night. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, Cassius Paria! Hey there, ponderers of the paranormal. You have found the Paranomaly Zone, your place for all things paranormal, mysterious, and strange. My name is Patrick Koffenberg. I am responsible for these shenanigans, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host with the ghosts, the paranormal poster boy himself, the stunning Mike Carbno. Would you pull this crap out of a like an old hat or something? A very, very <laughs> old hat. Very old hat. <laughs> filled with holes. <laughs> and yeah. just only certain little words remain and cling to the bottom of said hat. Uh, <laughs> no, no, actually I was um I was glancing to my right and I was looking at a description of a particular book that we might mention later on. We must mention, and it says the best seller that the best seller that stunned the country. So I was like, "Oh, mm. the stunning Mike Carbono." So there you go. So mm. yeah, I have stunned nothing. You have none. You have you have none. <laughs> you have none stunned. <laughs> okay. Yep, yeah, that's right. I am a none stunner. None stunner. Well, non stunner. Non. Don't say that because there might be some nuns listening right now. So and they won't appreciate that. Oh no. Uh, oh yeah. You don't oh, I'm so? sure I've stunned a few nuns. <laughs> no, uh, I have not. I like that. <clears throat> stunned a few I don't, I, nuns. I don't even know any. Well, I do know a, a couple of nuns in passing that I see at work often. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Wonderful yeah. ladies. Absolutely. Absolutely wonderful. Well, how you doing there, buddy? Um, it's good to see you. It but is... then again, I have never gone to a Catholic school before. Well... That's true. That's true. You're missing out. You're missing out on a lot then. <laughs> but anyway. Um, but uh, I know good. I kind of walked over there, but you were you were yeah you were uh, uh, kind of frozen up there a little bit and we I could tell I could tell mixed matched I could tell because you you have walked over me a couple of times now. Am yeah. I fine? Am I coming through now to you? Sure. All sure. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. You're Absolutely. Com- you're coming through to me as well. This was happening before we started recording, so yeah, I'm going to yeah. damn you, Zoom. Don't do this to us now, Zoom. Zuma, Zuma, Zoom, Zuma. So I wonder, Zuma, Zoom. I don't know. I bet you. Uh, I might. There might be a reason. There might be a culprit behind this. We have a. We have a lot of internet mm. bandwidth being used right now, so I'm wondering if the Zoom reception is being affected by that. Hmm. Could be. Hmm. Could be. But uh, hey. We'll forge through. Am I still freezing up on you, Mike? No. Okay, good. 
Nope. Right. So far, so good. All right. <clears throat> am I? Am I the studying? unfrozen Patrick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm no Minnesota ice man, that's for sure. I'm just, <laughs> I'm a lot shorter and I'm thawed out. So. <laughs> See, Patrick in this little chunk of ice. <laughs> uh, you can walk up these steps, pay your quarter to see Patrick frozen in ice. Yes. <laughs> You, you can see you can see part of the face and the big toe like I saw on the Minnesota Ice Man, yes. and 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 half of a penis. <laughs> I, I was going to say my hands would be strategically placed um, uh, before I was frozen because I even I'd, I'd be self conscious of myself even if I was frozen in the block of ice. I'd still somehow yeah, yeah. be covering myself up, but uh, covering yeah. your private parts with like a something that resembles a coonskin cap or something. Sure. <laughs> anything anything like that so hey yeah yeah sounds like we're firing on all cylinders tonight so that's good so <clears throat> we'll we'll forge through all the zoom connection <sighs> problems so if, if this is the first time you're tuning in uh we usually don't have these zoom issues this is uh this no. is um kind of frustrating but well like i said we'll fight through it so it'll be a few good. years ago we would have oh, multiple God. problems with <laughs> with uh every episode every and episode. patrick would get so mad <laughs> So just he'd be growling, trying uh, to figure out what to do. And and I can see his face getting more and more red and then purple. And then stuff would start to come out of his ears. And <laughs> it wasn't pretty. So folks. pissed off. It wasn't pretty. I, I, I remember no, it making, wasn't. I'd make Mike feel very uncomfortable because just yeah. how upset I was getting. <laughs> because, you know, what would make me uncomfortable is you would always say, it's got to be on your end. It's got to be on your end. Oh, come on now. <laughs> come on now. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll play and then that. I'm like sitting here like having no idea what to do. <laughs> uh, well, hey, you know, what? that's a great segue. I'm um, getting it out of the way. Uh, if you want to listen to <laughs> and we're joking about the quality of all these old right. older episodes. Um, if you want to listen to the archives of the Alternate Route Podcast, our former uh, namesake, and even including as far back as Nonsensicast Radio Days, we're talking where it gets really crazy, really, really crazy, really crazy, really raw back in the day, going as far back as two thousand and thirteen. <laughs> it's like holy, especially shit. the episodes with Bridget, very raw. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <sighs> We need to get Bridget back on the show, Mike. I know. I keep. Nudging, I agree. I keep nudging her. I keep nudging her. But anyways, uh, if you're interested in the backlog of all those episodes, go to our Patreon page. For as little as a buck a month, you have access to all of the archived episodes. We're coming up on 200 exclusive posts. I still got a ton more to po- to put up there. From and Patrick's our- fingers are bleeding from oh, doing all of this work for man, for the. Yeah. patron listeners but you know what it's 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 so worth it, it, it it's oh, fun, yeah. it's fun Absolutely. putting it together uh we have our exclusive series exclusive podcast episodes that we that we record um just for our patreon page our our latest one recorded just last wednesday uh it was i mean okay we have our commentary and breakdown series exclusives where mm-hmm. we talk about all paranormal programming, ghost hunters, ghost adventures, where we focus on particular episodes uh, and just break them down. We talk about them. Um, it's a great time. They, they seem to be pretty popular. And then last week, Mike, um, 
Wednesday, we got together, mm-hmm. returned to our creature feature series where we think of, we dig up just bizarre, wacko, alleged cryptids out right. there, alleged goofy, it, or not even goofy, but creepy and goofy. Oh, yeah. A lot of fun, uh, which every Wednesday is when we're going to try to get these out. Yes, absolutely. And yep. So we're going to have them set um, so we can have them, uh, you know, we want to have that content, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the newest content possible out there consistently. every week. Consistently. Yes, yeah. consistent. And we have uh, several other exclusive episodes, including full-length video episodes. We have uh, even reaction videos where we we put on some paranormal footage, alleged footage, on the screen, and you get to see our lovely faces reacting to it and talking about it and breaking them down. Uh, we even do that with some music videos as well. It's kind of cool. But some of the coolest stuff on these on our Patreon page, you have access to all of our interviews that we have done in the past with the biggest names in the paranormal field that Absolutely. Uh, and, and we're not joking about that. We are not joking about that. About the biggest names. We've uh, been quite fortunate. Very fortunate. Very fortunate. Um, Chip Coffey, Amy Bruni, Adam Berry, Jason yeah. Haas, Grant Wilson, Steve Gonzalves, Ron Moorhead, Andrea Perrin. I mean, my gosh, the list goes on and on and on. It's been so, we're, we've been so blessed and so lucky. Yeah. And, and a lot of that, we, we need to give a shout out to uh, um, the Travel Channel itself. I oh mean, they gosh. have been working with us. Fantastically, they've, they've been setting us up with with, uh, with, with helping setting us up with these uh, um, these fantastic guests. So, Travel Channel, I know you. I love it. Thank you very very much. Um, well, they just recently set up set us up with uh, Bryce Johnson and Ronnie LeBlanc from Expedition yes. Bigfoot. We had an awesome chat with them. You can watch the video chat of that on our Patreon page. You can watch a video chat, our latest video chat with Ron Moorhead from the uh, famous, the awesomely famous uh, Sierra Sounds Bigfoot Sounds most famous Bigfoot audio vocalizations ever recorded. Ron mm-hmm. Morehead is an expert in the Bigfoot field and beyond. And probably the coolest part, you get to hear and listen and watch all of our own personal ghost hunting experiences. Yes, we are amateur <laughs> paranormal investigators, Mike, and we've got yep. some pretty interesting stuff out there, video and yep. audio for sure. So, uh, and have some things in the works and plans that we have some traveling that we're going to do this uh, summer. Absolutely. I can't wait, man. Mm. Um, anyway, I've already gone too long, but it's a shameless. Yes, but, and so much more to come so in the much... Patreons. And there's so much more to come with wonderful, great, big name guests. Like Absolutely. next month we have coming oh the one gosh. and only. Oh, my gosh. We do. That's right. Well, we can't really give it away yet. I did post. No. If you're curious about, uh, well, if you're curious about a guest that we have lined up the first week of May, one of, I don't know how to describe this person right now without giving it away. Um, check it out on our Patreon page. They've yeah. known for about a month who is coming up. We are super excited about this. Yeah. And uh, this can be all paranormal. All paranormal discussion and nothing else. Yep. But man, you know what? The content is just growing and growing and I've gone on long enough for the shameless self promo. So I'm done. We're done. Mike. We're done. On to the topic at hand. The Batcher C. Yes. Poltergeist. This is a flipping weird. Yeah, story. and I've never heard of it before. The Battersea Poltergeist. Yeah, this is a an alleged haunting that took place over a decade. I mean, the 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 um the alleged occurrences went on for like twelve years. Yeah, this is back in the fifties that this happened. Nineteen fifty six when this began. Fifty six. Yeah, uh, ran through nineteen sixty eight. It's I wasn't familiar with this story either mike it is right. beyond fascinating um and the story from beginning middle to end is fascinating oh without a doubt without a doubt yeah uh, 
let's just dive right into it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Stick around for the entire episode, though, because we have a very good uh, topic for oh, yeah. our one last take segment. Our one last take seg- segments are where we choose an infamous cryptid, an infamous haunting infamous paranormal alleged occurrence any number of things they don't always have to be infamous but you know right. they're they're controversial for sure and we go either way yay or nay we are the we're nowhere no, in the middle it's gotta no, be yay or nay no shades of gray at all uh basically we, we break it down briefly and we just rant and rave we're very opinionated in our one last seg- our one last take segment, and I'm looking forward to this one. We're diving into the Amityville horror, the true story, the alleged true story, the classic the standard behind the Amityville, Amityville horror. Horror. So I'm looking forward. to It's always one. good. Yep, I'm looking forward to hearing your take on that one. Like your your sure. one, your one last take. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, anyways, first and foremost, though, the Batcher C Poltergeist. It only took yes. us 11 and a half minutes to get there, but hey. <laughs> We're almost reverting back to alternate podcast days. Yeah, no kidding. Yes, it's a great English story, great Britain. Yes. Um, and you know, and and I'm sure and the way this story seems, it seems like it's a huge, huge story in uh, in Great Britain, where very popular. I mean, to, even to today, they have a podcast about it, and and things are are going on with it that, um, you know, and uh, to our listeners out there in the great great british isle isles anyway (laughs) if you know listen along and and if you have any comments on this to enlighten us a little bit more um you know let us know we'd love to hear from you um in my ancestral area of england there you go and uh just hear what you uh what you have to say about it yeah, we highly encourage any and all um, interaction with all of our listeners. We 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 love yeah, hearing, absolutely love hearing from you guys. Uh, even if you want to rip on us a little bit, do it kindly. <laughs> oh yeah, put a little. Like I've said before, Patrick's a little sensitive. I do. I, if I see something negative, <laughs> I I cry and and poop my pants a little bit. And, yes, and not necessarily. His left eye and, starts to twitch uncontrollably. <laughs> it does <laughs> for like about a week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily in that order either. So I could, yeah. I could, I could poop and then cry, or yep. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, I guess it doesn't matter. Both at the same time. Both at the same time. Yep. But as we mentioned, Mike, this the alleged um, haunting of Battersea first occurred in January 1956. So yeah, we're going back almost 70 years. I'm yeah. sorry, Mike. I'm trying to scratch my back. You ever get those itches between your damn shoulder blades? I I hate it. Can't reach it. I can't reach it. I'm sorry, everybody. Right when we start, I'm getting distracted by an itch. So, 1956 uh, involves the Hitchens family, and I'm looking at my trusty notes here, Mike. You can hear it right now. I do. And you can this see is it in, as well. This is in Battersea. Battersea in Southwest South- London. Absolutely. Hitchens family, the parents, Wally and Kitty, Grandma Ethel, family member Mark, who I couldn't quite find who exactly this Mark might be, but I think it might be a stepbrother. I think it was the butler. The butler. Oh, it may have been the butler. No. Okay. Um, (laughs) The butler with the the candlestick. And then uh, the one. Different. The um, pretty much the focus of this alleged haunting, the Dr. Shirley Hitchens. This mm-hmm. is where a lot of these haunting... a young teenager at the time. Yes, fifteen years old. Fifteen years old. Mm-hmm. Took all this uh, took place, number sixty three, Wycliffe Road, Battersea, London. All started 
harmlessly enough, I would say, seemingly harmless, when upon coming back home, family members discovered a beautiful, ornate silver key sitting on Shirley's pillow. Right, which is interesting because, uh, you know, this uh, poltergeist, poltergeist type activity, mm-hmm. you know, and then this is centered, well, the key is left on this young teenager, girl, girl, uh, female teenager's uh, pillow. Right. So it's like the very first account is uh, is directed towards her and, and they can't figure it out. Yep. Where it came from. Seemingly so. And they tried, they tried this key in every lock in the house. Yep. And of, uh, of course, it, it didn't fit. So, I mean, that, I mean, that's unique right away. I mean, personally, I don't know if, how I would, I would have reacted like to something like that. You would, ha- you would have to be, if you were like me and your daughter came up to you and swore to you on her life that she didn't put that key there, you'd have to believe her. I'd believe Absolutely. her. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, even if, you know, I am a skeptic, I'd be like, well, why would my daughter want to make that stuff up? So starting mm-hmm. off weird right away. Now, uh, this basically set off a, this was like the most benign occurrence, <laughs> you know, uh, yes. a lot of, a lot of happening started at this moment, or I should say immediately after this moment for over 12 years, this continued, Mike. Mm-hmm. And as we said, most of these hauntings seem to center around 15 year old Shirley. She was basically, um, the focus it almost seemed like there was at one point. It almost seemed like there was a romantic attachment, but it, mm-hmm. and which is interesting enough in itself. Because I wanted to ask you about that, Mike. Uh, when we get to that, well, I'll just ask you right now. I'll I'll, I'll just ask you right now. Your okay. thoughts on <clears throat> if there is a ghost in your house, Mike, or in anyone's house. <clears throat> your thoughts on there being a romantic attachment between said ghost and the living in that house. And I'll, I'll uh, extend that a little bit more. An intelligent romantic mm. attachment. What, mm. what, do you, what do you think about that, and how many different ways could that go, in your opinion? I think it can go in many ways. I think it's possible. I, I, I really do. Uh, I'm sure there are stories out there of this happening. Um, uh was there, was there was a story that I read about a lady that actually married the ghost of some pirate, I believe. Yes. Yep. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I know. See that? We talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's another podcast altogether, but yeah. Yeah, it is. But, um, you know, if you've got an intelligent spirit that is, uh, um, stuck in a, in a, ho- in a house and lonely and, and, uh, why can't it have emotions and feelings and, become attached. I mean, right. that's why if somebody moves out, a, a, a spirit can follow that person or that family to the next place they live mm-hmm. because of an attachment. Why can't it be a romantic um, uh, attachment or, or, you know, any kind of attachment, family, feeling of family or whatever. Does that, if there is a, a, a romantic attachment there between the living and the dead, does that suggest to you in any way that perhaps that being on the other side of the veil isn't aware that they aren't in the same realm of existence as the living. And they're just trying in vain to reach out to this person that they are infatuated mm. with in a way that's sad if it's true. Yeah. Very sad. Um, very sad. I don't know what I think about that one. Uh, uh, I guess, I 
guess I buy into it. I mean, why not? I do. I do. Uh, you know, and then of course there's the, uh, the, the frighteningly, um, I can't say romantic, but obsessed, the frighteningly sexual, uh, oh, attachment God. of a not incubus or a succubus, which is another whole oh, different good story. Lord. Yeah. And that's pure terror right there. <laughs> that's pure terror. I don't, I, I don't like it. I don't like, no, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I think it's safe to say you and I both buy into the, that that, possi- sure. that possibility. Yeah. The possibility is there, yes. Now, uh, moving on here, let's get on to some of these alleged occurrences. It started out pretty slow, actually. I mean, kind of easy and yes. kind of worked its way into it did. getting a little crazy. Now, I will give a little background on the family here <laughs> just to get a little understanding. Uh, the Hitchens family were ordinary working class family. As I said, the father, Wally, the, uh, the wife, Kitty. Kitty was a former office clerk. Wally was a, a London underground driver. Yeah, Kitty uh, was unfortunately confined to a wheelchair due to uh, her chronic arthritis. And that comes into play later when y- y- you may wonder, like, why didn't this family move? You know, they're being, if they're traumatized and terrorized, well, when you think about having a family member, you know, the matriarch being being an invalid, essentially, essentially being physically incapable of doing such, so, it's not that easy. You can't just pick up and go. Right. So, I mean, that's something to consider. Uh, grandmother Ethel, Ethel, I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, she was described as being a very fiery character. She was known locally as Old Mother Hitchens. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, there's Old Mother Hitchens. And their adopted son, John. So I had read Mark earlier, so that must have been incorrect. Yeah. And Jerry Mathers as the beaver. The beaver. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, John was a, sur- uh, a surveyor <clears throat> in his 20s. And finally, Shirley Wally and Kitty's 15-year-old uh, uh, daughter. Uh, not and. Shirley, who was Wally and Kitty's 15-year-old daughter, of course. And she was about to start up art school. Now, in late 1956, after discovering that silver key on her pillowcase, that very same night is when things started getting really kind of weird, though. Yeah. Noises, apparently super loud noises, began to just bang throughout the house. Uh, like Knocking, sh- banging, thumps, yes. incessant pounding that reverberated around the house. Yeah. It says. Deafening. Claw-like scratching emanating from the inside of the furniture. Lights flashing on and off, and it was so loud that the neighbors came around to complain. Even that's loud. So this was this was not just affecting in the house and the family. It was heard in the neighborhood. The police actually were called, and the police themselves Absolutely. heard these noises. Now exactly. that's something you can't just toss aside. You can't just say, "Well, you know, well, everyone's making everything up right now. This is a bunch of hooey." Mm-hmm. Well, the police are involved here, and the police themselves said that they heard this when they were outside of the house. Right. There's so much noise going on there. A lot, of, a lot. Some of these descriptions of the noises, Mike, are just kind of creepy themselves. How they say like it sounded like these noises were coming from within the, mm-hmm. the furniture, within like the headboards of the on their bed, you know, or the armrests of their chairs. It, was, it almost was like the the furniture was alive or something. Right. And then, like Shirley had said, uh, it was as if the noises came from the bowels of the earth. They went on until daylight. uh, They were traumatized. I remember clinging to my dad saying, please make it stop. And she even said that that some of it sounded like uh, 
um, in air raid, you know, like a World War II air raid. Wow. It was so bad. No, mm. no, that's something you can't just dismiss. I don't care. Right. I don't care how skeptical you are. That's no, that's too much. That, that, too much. <laughs> too much. Now, uh, neither the police nor the surveyors could get to the bottom of where these noises were coming from. Several photographers and reporters were uh, called into the house and were themselves left, quote-unquote, unsettled upon visiting the house. So you can maybe interpret what they mean by unsettled. But we're talking about a sleep-deprived family here, and so um, any number of things could be going into this as to what's causing these reporters and photographers to feel uh, unsettled themselves. They may feel unsettled just by how the family appears to them, mm-hmm. you know, because they're like I said, they're terrified and sleep deprived. They probably probably are coming across unknowing to themselves. They're probably coming across as creepy, <laughs> you know. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, <laughs> just gaunt looking, you know, terrified. Yeah. yeah. Now there was a theory that was thrown out there, and this is where we're, this is what we focus on here on the paranormal zone, is that this, these noises were simply caused by supernatural presence. More specifically, a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And, a lot of things point to that. It, it does, and and I'm kind of perusing through this one, this article right now. I want to get on. I want, I'm trying to find stuff I want to hit on, stuff I want to I want to skip. But let's well, get one to, interesting thing while yeah, you're doing oh, that is yeah, that go uh, ahead, Mike. go ahead. Mike. The key actually vanished, and they never saw it again. When but yeah, then, when the when this ghost uh, mm-hmm. left in like 1968, apparently it took the key with it. Right, but the noises and everything started up again, and now they they worse. named this ghost Donald. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Uh, now is that just a way for a family to cope to make well, it did you, seem a did little you, more relatable? But yeah, go ahead, Mike. What are you going to say? Did you see why they named it Donald? Well, tell us why they called it Donald. They they called it Donald be a they named it Donald after uh, Disney's bad tempered Donald Duck. It said, <laughs> you know, nice. like Donald Duck could get pretty pretty oh, pissy. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> tell me about it. Especially when Huey, Dewey, and Louie were pissing them yeah. off. Good God, pretty bad. But, but then yeah. after you know here from here, I mean, it starts getting. Getting pretty nasty. I mean, oh, very physical. But I mean, I don't. I don't want to gloss over my my question. I, I was I threw to you though, Mike. Would would that be something in in your mind? Or maybe I'm looking into it too deeply. But putting a name on this this oh. entity, this energy, does that somehow make it easier to cope with? Maybe it's or- possible. But um, um, from what it seems like here, they're just giving the name because it's a being a jerk <laughs> sure 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 I mean, you know but but I'm, i mean but giving it a name will also bring it uh, a little more down to earth and kind of bring it yeah, you know give it get a less of a paranormal feel to it but i mean the thing this thing is just so crazy that no matter what they do i mean they're not going to get away from you know whatever they you know they could call it you know tinkerbell and it's still not right going to be a be a, <laughs> an issue you know tinkerbell yeah. Well, I know what you're saying though. No, I, it's it was it was a thought. So I, thank you for um, yeah no yeah. Thank you for uh, placating me and making me not feel like an idiot <laughs> so much. But yeah, like you said, Mike, uh, this one stuff gets starts getting pretty intense. Uh, multiple witnesses actually claimed to have seen uh, 
bed sheets flying off of the right. beds, slippers walking around on their own, <laughs> on their mm-hmm. own accord. How terrifying is that? And a slipper being flung up off the floor and hitting somebody in the head. Good God almighty. Um, uh, Shirley was actually um, drugged from her bed and what? made to levitate. She was levitated off of her bed like a few inches. That, and her no, thank you. parents seen that and didn't know what to think. I think, like a, to I think like a large clock was thrown off of the mantle. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that they had to consistently dodge pots and pans that are thrown across the room, chairs being moved across the room. I mean, this is beyond classic poltergeist activity. This is damn right dangerous poltergeist activity. Now, and, and intense. It's like, oh, my, oh, my. What is the difference? I mean, what causes the intensity in poltergeist activity? Uh, again, I'm throwing, I love putting Mike on the spot. And I, I what love causes it. the intensity? Well, I'm not, I'm not necessarily in this particular case, but I'm, I'm just asking you what causes the difference in intensity of poltergeist activity? Because Well, if it is caused by, uh, um, say, a teenage girl and going through her changes and everything and which is a theory which is a theory but if that theory is true i think uh the intensity changes with the with the emotion and the strength of the emotion coming from yeah. the young girl yeah um you know but that's you know that's if it's if if that rings true with that theory do you buy but into I that mean, do you buy into that theory mike let's talk about that for a little bit uh, about how how essentially Essentially, mm. the 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 emotional and physical um, energies as being created in the in the well, let's be frank about it, like the too much the uh, tumultuous tumultuous um, life of a young girl going through all these changes herself somehow was able to conjure up physical activity unwittingly. Maybe, maybe knowingly, I'm not sure. Now, do you, I guess where I'm going at here is like, do you think and do you buy into the theory that this physical activity is not supernatural in any means? It's just simply created. Somehow the energy is manipulating and manifested as a poltergeist activity. Right. Or is it (laughs) literally something that maybe is feeding off of the energy of this said girl? Mm. I like that better. Okay. Okay. Elaborate. Feeding off the energy, you know, and if, if, if a young girl, teenage girl going through puberty or whatever is, if these things are caused by that and manifesting as a, as a poltergeist and things being thrown around the room and her levitating, I mean, that's just as paranormal as if, you know, the ghost of a dead guy came and, and is uh, doing all this stuff, and you can see it doing this stuff. I mean, it, it's just as crazy. I mean, if not more, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. It, it's exactly. it's all paranormal. It's all craziness. But I, I buy into the fact even more that, that it's a it's an entity that is feeding off of the energy this this huge energy that's being you know put out by this these emotions. I mean, okay. you know, okay. think of think of a demon that uh, that feeds off of emotion, feeds off of fear. Oh, you know, sure. This sure. is a, this is a, a a ghost, not a demon, but a ghost that uh, feeds off of this energy, like um, like a spirit can 
feed off of a, a, a camera or, or a, a battery that's in your, your um, recording device or whatever you're, when you're on a, an investigation, it's just another form of energy that feeds. Okay. I like paranormal that. activity. Yep. I think I, I think draws I, energy. I think I kind of like that as well as, as opposed to it just being physical, physical action being created by the energy put right. out by this young girl. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. makes more sense to me. Sure. 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 Yeah, I mean, and it almost again. It's, there's a fine line to which you know which side of the fence do you sit on. On this one, is it poltergeist? Uh, is it malevolent? Is it benevolent? Is it benign? Is, can, does it go both ways? Mm-hmm. Can it go both ways? Well, I'm you sorry. know this. Go ahead. This case here. I mean, there's a lot of uh, pretty serious stuff going on. A lot of lot of activity. Activ- <laughs> A lot of <laughs> yeah, activity. Easy for you to say. Um, it doesn't seem to be wanting to to kill anybody or, or no. really hurt anybody. You know, you know, but it's terrifying, of course. But um, but you know, if if it doesn't want to hurt anybody, why are you throwing pots and pans? Yeah. I or don't know. or it's, or here's a qu- here's a crazy theory, and this is what we do on the paranormalies. zone. we just throw stuff off top of our heads. We throw it out there for for you to ponder. Is it not capable of controlling its own output of energy? It is not necessarily mm. trying to throw pots and pans, but it's just creating such this po- this power that it's uncontrollable. Mm. Uh, uh, and pots and pans just happen to be moved. And maybe the, the poltergeist is going, oh, shit, my bad. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I'm just yeah. trying to get your attention. And that happens. Yeah, that could be. You know, that could be uh, maybe I don't know, just as real as any other theory. But I don't know. I think the things that uh, are done are are pretty deliberate. I mean, kind of thought out. It's like, okay, I'm going to pull the sheets off this bed. I'm going to make her levitate. I'm going to take these pans and I'm going to throw them across the room. You know, I'm going to make these slippers walk across the room and I'm going to hit him in the head with this other slipper. Sure. Right. (laughs) You know, right. That's just my thought about it. I gotcha. Yep. I, it's, it's, oh, it's so intriguing, Mike. It's so fascinating. Okay. Getting back to the story at hand. <laughs> now it's, it, as the story progresses, it becomes more and more clear that Donald air quotes, Donald is absolutely fixated on Shirley so much so that noises were following her to work and back. Mm-hmm. And it got to the got point. Got her fired. Got her fired. Those, yeah, basically, it said, like, um, you can't come to work until these uh, noises stop coming with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God. And scissors at her job were disappearing and and blamed on her and things like that. And... Oh, my gosh. Uh, Shirley uh, herself witnessed involuntarily moving. Uh, was witnessed, invo- I should say, was witnessed involuntarily moving in her bed, Mike talked about this already, and around the room by various family members and neighbors, so much you know, so much so to the point of levitating. Uh, by now, her association with the Peltegeist had caused her to lose her job and her friends. Many believed her to be actually possessed by the devil. Of course they did. Now we get into the investigation part. Now, what, was the inve- what was the paranormal investigator's name? I wrote it down here. Tibbet, I believe it was. You know- Harold I Chibbet. want to interject here for Harold just a Chibbet. second here. Go ahead. Um, uh, Shirley, actually, she did have some uh, scratches and marks that were put on her face and thank you, things thank like you. that. So there yeah. is some, you know, more of a um, 
malevolent uh, thing going on oh, here. God, 100%. That's starting to get nasty and terrifying. Yeah, to the point where her mother actually wrote these things down and, and had had drawn diagrams of where these scratches and marks were on uh, on her face. Good Lord. Hmm. Yep, that's not good. Now you're starting to get to the point of, well, if this is an intelligent haunting, an intelligent poltergeist haunting of some sort, now we're getting to the point of, is it attempting to manipulate other family members somehow or trying to change what their thoughts are as to what is causing these these attacks. The, oh, I said attacks. I don't mean attacks. These occurrences. <laughs> I go from attacks to occurrences. That's quite a drop down in, in adjectives and words, but my mind is just kind of racing with that one, Mike. When we, get to, when we come to physical harm being done, that changes the whole landscape of this story. It does, yeah. It's... It, we're going beyond being fix, we're we're going beyond fixation. We're going beyond romantic attachment. Far beyond that. This is like mm-hmm. a, obsession, perhaps. Oh yeah, that's a good word to put to it. Yeah. Uh, back to the investigation. Yeah, paranormal investigator Harold. I'm not sure if it's Chibbet or Kibbet. I'm not sure. C H I B B E T. Probably Chibbet. He was known as Chib. Good old Chib, Harry Chib. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, you got a hairy chib. I know. I'm trying to take care of that. Anyways, but, um, <clears throat> after these occurrences, around March of the same year, 1956, uh, the Hitchens family haunting began to draw press attention. Of course it did. I mentioned earlier the photographers and reporters <clears throat> were lingering in and about the house, some of them feeling unsettled. Uh, the newspapers started to report that the poltergeist was romantically obsessed with Shirley, which we already uh, mentioned. Other people believe that the poltergeist was simply a figment of Shirley's imagination and that she was purposefully trying to stir up attention by conjuring up this story. Uh, eventually, the Daily Mail got in touch with the family. Shirley was invited to the head office where she was strip, sh- strip searched to ensure that she wasn't hiding anything. The paper published... Strip search searched where in the... What's that? Where was she taken to when she was strip searched? She was invited into the head office of the Daily Mail. Okay, and strip searched there. That sounds that's kinda, not that's kind of kind of that's an invasion of privacy. My God! Very. Um, the paper then mm. published a sensational account of the story, which attracted widespread attention. That I don't want to gloss over. That is that was that something was that a common practice in the nineteen fifties in in London? You know, we're going to strip search you because you say that you're haunted by a poltergeist? I should say not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that either. Yeah. You know, this, I don't know. That's this part. Kinda... Uh, this part was interesting to me. I mean, it's very brief, but this story garnered so much attention, Mike, that an attempt was made by the BBC to contact Donald on primetime TV. Really? That is crazy. If that, but he if ended that, up being too much of a diva, diva, and he wanted uh, only green M and M's in his room, his uh, dressing room, and uh, yep, he wanted, ten dozen uh, roses, and and he wanted his ghostly cash up front. He didn't want any yes. credit or checks or anything like that. Now, mm. if, if that program is actually out there somewhere, I need to find that. I need to watch it. Yeah, um, write these things down and. Man, that's and, uh, bizarre. We we still have more research to do. And this this haunting was actually uh, spoken about 
among the house or in the house of commons so <laughs> this wasn't just a little tiny story that was you know a little tiny local story in battersea this uh this this gathered uh nationwide attention for sure here we you go there? uh yeah hey mike okay did Boy, i lose you there. oh now you're really you're really quiet now my friend yeah. hey we're having problems we're gonna time travel real quick apparently stuff's getting funky hold on boys and girls we'll be right back okay we're back i told you it would be seamless hopefully we're through with all of the uh tech and audio issues yeah. but we shall see we my mic just quit on me i, I don't know that it was it's interesting so um mm -hmm. as i tweeted during our time traveling excursion there uh we just happened to be talking about uh, nasty poltergeists, and of course, this is when we're having all sorts of audio and tech issues. So, hey, go, mm -hmm. go figure. Go figure. <laughs> it happens. Now, Harold Chib Chibbet, the paranormal investigator drawn to this case, he was actually a tax inspector by day and a paranormal investigator by night. Mm. So, um, he was a very well-known, con uh, connected individual, counting among friends as or I should say, those he counted among friends included Arthur Conan Doyle, psychic wow. researcher Harry Price, and science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke. Really? Well, so throwing some names around there. Man, I miss me some Arthur C. Clarke, man. What a guy. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty awesome. Uh, this case became one of the biggest of Mr. Chibbett's life, and his extensive records demonstrate that he authentically believed in the Battersea poltergeist. And he, he was actually the one that uh, told the family that that's what he believed it was, was a poltergeist. And the family had never heard of a poltergeist They, they were like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. And they were freaked out and yeah. thought this was the end. They were going to be, they are going to die because of this thing called the poltergeist. Yep. Is, you know, <laughs> well, you know, causing well, problems. Well, and, the, the term poltergeist sounds terrifying. It just sounds scary. Yeah. Um, well, all German words do. <laughs> And and the and the way the German language is is spoken, well, it's you know, frightening. <laughs> There's so much force behind a sentence. And no, offense, Ach, no, no, no offense to our awesome German listeners. Oh, absolutely, by the way, but um, yeah, it's 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 interesting for sure. There's, I, I mean, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's like. So are you saying my like last a, name? My last name is terrifying to you, Mike. Well, it depends on how you say it. If you put the Vaughn in front of it, then it's, yeah, yeah. It okay. kind of sure. goosebumps my arms a little bit. <laughs> Vaughn Kaffenberg! Something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have great respect for, yeah. So Great uh, respect. I lost my Germany time. would be an awesome place to go visit. Oh, I want to. I absolutely Oh, man. Want could to. you imagine? I mean, it's a beautiful country. Oh, just the history. And, and the culture there yeah. and the, 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 the history. Yep. Oh, 100%. The beer. <laughs> Yeah, I, the, I I know you don't have to tell me. I mean, my I the am, sausages and the schnitzels. I am one hundred percent German for God. Well, yes, damn near one hundred percent. I think I have some Scottish thrown in me as well. So, well, you got to have some wee bit of Scottish. I do, I do. I am so proud of my Scottish heritage. So, but as everyone knows, uh, poltergeist is German for noisy ghosts. That's simply right. how it is. Uh, 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 mm -hmm. Written and interpreted noisy ghosts. But this is this goes a little bit farther than just creating a little bit of noise. Um, right. If you act, ask me. But uh, yeah, uh, investigator Chibbet, or Kibbet, I'm sorry, I can't remember how to pronounce that. He spent days and nights, recorded all sorts of events that went went in and about the house. 
uh, became a, a close family member to the Hitchens, and he actually wrote a detailed book about the case, but that book was never published. Oh, my God. Mm. Is there a manuscript for that somewhere? Let's, Mike, let's, really? let's fucking, let's, oh, I just dropped the F-bomb. Let, let's, uh, <laughs> let's frickin' conjure up some money and find that manuscript if it is out there, and we'll publish the damn thing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, just think the, the money that uh, could be made there. Now, we'll get to the part where Donald reveals his identity. Mm-hmm. This I, is very interesting. Oh, gosh. You know what? When, when it gets to, well, we'll get there in a second. The idea of automatic writing and spiritual writing popped in my brain while I was looking into this, Mike. When, it come, mm-hmm. when, when some of the skeptics threw out the idea that, well, you know, all these notes, they were obviously just simply written by Shirley herself. Yeah, the, like, um, did we explain that part of it? I mean, where they, no, we, they, ha- uh, we, put- ha- we haven't really, we haven't at all. I wanted to get, talk to that or talk about that when we, when we get there towards uh, oh, okay. the end of the story here. But I, I, I just, I just brought that up because when I was reading the skeptics and uh, reading the skeptical point of view, saying that Shirley was simply writing these notes herself, the idea right. popped into my brain of automatic writing and spirit writing. Like, well, maybe if, even if she did write it, who's to say that she was controlling her own self writing that right. maybe she was inhabited by something at that time writing for her through her if you get what i'm saying mm-hmm. now as time went on donald's behavior became increasingly violent yeah like i said not simply a noisy ghosts uh, rooms around the house were found trashed this is terrifying fires would spontaneously mm-hmm. burst break mm-hmm. out of nowhere one actually became so severe that had hospitalized Dad Wally. Now that's not good. And this is even after the father hid and locked up all the matches and fire starting Jeez. implements in the house. Wow. There is yeah. still fires that were being started. Now again, that's that's that shows an absolute intelligence right there. I yeah, mean, it's Donald like, brought his own zippo. Shit. That's it's like nope, nope, you're not hiding this for me, bub. Oh <laughs> man. But another terrifying aspect, and this is what we're getting to, is some of the writing ideas here, Mike. When writing symbols of crosses and other such phrasing began to appear <clears throat> written on the walls. And I was looking at some of these pictures and some of these notes and some of these writings. If you buy into the idea that it is something from the other side writing the, writing these, it's terrifying because it has it just that creepy look to it. Um, I don't know if you know what I'm getting. I, at I'm looking like, at the pictures right now. Or there's three of them here. I mean, yeah, some of them look like. Okay, let's say if you if if you're a right hander and you sit there and you for the first time in your life you try to write a note with your left hand, that's kind of like what it looks like a little bit every now and mm-hmm. then. You know, it's just very childlike almost. But if you're a believer in this, it it comes across as writing that would. It takes a hell of a lot of energy to manipulate. Um, a writing device if you're coming through on the other side of the veil. Right. <laughs> I mean, it takes a lot of energy. Yeah, you're not going to be sitting there writing calligraphy on the damn walls, you know. It's not right. going to be fancy schmancy. You know, in a couple of these pictures, it looks like, you know, you can see where the word France is written, and it's uh, it's not your typical, you know, writing. Um, and then in another one where you can see where it says Louis, something Louis, Mm-hmm. Very script looking, very old world script looking. Um, very interesting. Now that that adds a little bit of weight to it, doesn't it? It and, does. It does. You know, if this is 
uh, the spirit of well, we'll get to that. And well, we mentioned it already, yeah. Um, Louis Charles, the right, the, the young prince. Um, it would make a little bit of sense, wouldn't it? I mean, that's how he knew how to write. It's very true. Uh, it got to the point, Mike, where exorcists were brought in. Mm-hmm. Not only exorcists, but police will begin to check up on the house regularly. And that's what—that's how uh, when Parliament actually became involved, right? Yeah, with this. Now, this part, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I think about this. It says here. I'm going to read this part. It says mysteriously. Donald even circulated Christmas cards. Really? So, <laughs> um, I, is he trying to make peace? I mean, what's going on with the Christmas cards here? Uh, like just leaving them, you know, leaving his own otherworldly blessings to the family around the house. Uh, I, I don't know. That's interesting. But you mentioned oh, this earlier, Mike, that the family did learn to communicate with this alleged poltergeist by using mm-hmm. alphabet cards. And yeah, through- Chib brought some uh, yeah uh, letter cards is what he called them, and uh, he would point to a card, and if that's the letter that the poltergeist wanted to use to spell out a word, there'd be like the one or two knocks, one you know, one for yes and one for no, or whatever, and that's how they communicated with him. In March 1956, through written correspondence addressed to Shirley, a note appeared. Which wrote, which had written on it, surely I come, surely comma I right. come. Wow, that, okay, that's just ear. I kind of got chills when I just read that because I'm. If this is real, that's terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I just remembered something. I just want to backtrack just for a second. No, please go I, ahead. This please. Is, this is a very big part of you know the fire thing, and when uh, the father got burned. Um. Underneath the burn mark are actual claw-like scratch marks that were on his, underneath the burn. Good God. So that's showing a lot more of a violent intent. Oh, 100%. Very aggressive yeah. violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, not good. Not good at all. Anyway, yeah, I just thought that was an important little... No, thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah. We, can't, we definitely walked past that one. I'm sorry about that, Mike. Um <clears throat> Now, Donald continued to leave notes around the house. Some notes started to order the family to do such things as dress Shirley in courtly clothes. Yes. And yeah. now, and, 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 and did that include like doing her hair up a certain way? Uh, definitely trying to make her look like a particular, uh, like a particular, uh, not like a, but from a particular time period almost. Sure. You know? Something that, uh, that Donald um, was uh, was more pleasing for him, yes. especially when the part when he said, "I wish to see her in leopard print panties." <sighs> yep. Sorry, I uh, know I can always tell when you're setting up a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Not always, boy. I mean, there's times when I get you, and you are. That's very true. Hooked right in that one, though. That one I could see yeah, coming that a one, mile I, away. Yeah, I wasn't trying to pull anything over. <laughs> I was just trying <laughs> yeah. to. Had a little bit of humor, yeah, inappropriate humor. Yeah, when well, of course, the most infamous EVP that was picked up during this haunting is when Wally got a little too close to uh, to to Shirley, and uh, of course, he was screamed at. Dude, run! I don't know why he called. Him, I don't know why he <laughs> called him a dude. But, but, yeah, that's always appropriate to use. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to try and fit that into every episode somehow. 
So <laughs> you have to fit that into it. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting here. I'm not familiar with the actor Jeremy Spencer. Are, are mm. you? No, but, I am not. But one of the requests by Donald was to for the family to contact the famous actor Jeremy Spencer. And this request led to a breakthrough. Now, according mm. to this article. I should, uh, I should look him up. It says, in a handwritten letter dating to May 1956, Donald identified himself as Louis Charles, the short-lived Louis XVII of France, who was rumored to have escaped captivity Excuse me, mm. during the French Revolution rather than dying a prisoner aged 10, as was later proved. Donald, or Louis XVII, used a number of elaborate French phrases in his letter and claimed that he had drowned en route to exile in England. His story, however fascinating, was often changing and contradictory. But this is an interesting part. The actor Jeremy Spencer, who, with whom this Donald was also supposedly infatuated with, hmm. um, Donald demanded, as I said earlier, that Shirley go and meet, try to contact Spencer. And if she didn't, Donald threatened that he would cause Spencer harm. Now, extraordinarily, Mike... Spencer suffered a non-fatal car accident shortly after this alleged occurrence. Mm. So that's uh, something to ponder a little bit for sure. Coincidence? Interesting. Perhaps. <laughs> well, Jeremy Spencer is an English actor, a uh, British actor, which I thought would have been the case. <laughs> right. Debuted at the age of 11 in Anna Karenina. Oh. The following year, he played in the black comedy Kind Hearts and coronets as the young louis mazzini hmm. born 1937 yeah interesting but, well, but why i mean that's there's got to be some something reason there. that's something there um is he mm. is 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 this actor a reincarnated form of one of louis yeah closest oh, he was companions. in fahrenheit 451 as well now hmm. um we're getting to the end of the of the of the main chunk of the story. <laughs> chunk. Yes. <laughs> uh, the heart. Of, the heart of the story, I should I should say. But I was listening chunk. to an, listening to a recent interview with um with Shirley, and she was talking about how uh you know when when her parents left the house in 1965, uh, the presence of Donald had been kind of slowly. Uh, disappearing and waning by that point. <clears throat> 1967, she had left London altogether, moved to Sussex, I believe, with her husband, Derek, I think she said her name, her husband's name was, but her parents still resided in, in Battersea. What was interesting is that she said, she claimed, and this was in the recent interview with, with Shirley Mike, she claimed that both her and her husband, residing in Sussex, Sussex were, would still receive notes throughout their house giving them updates on her parents back in Battersea <laughs> and her parents this is again according to Shirley were receiving notes providing updates on Shirley and her husband really so I, I, what do you think about that that's that's quite the twist right mm, there very that's yeah that's well, helpful I guess <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I, what I what I think about that um I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> now, uh, we have to dive into some of the supposed explanations of all of this. 
Mike. Uh, some um, science, yeah. Scientists. Okay. And, oh, go, uh, go just, ahead. Hang go on, ahead. just a second. Um, oh man, we're talking over each other a lot. I, I know, but I'm just there's just so much here that. Uh, um, let's see. Well, you talk over me, then you um, stop talking, I, I, and then I don't talk at all. <laughs> Uh, it, it says here where there's a, a time when um, Donald quit um, quit uh, uh, you know hanging around or something like that. I'm, I'm trying to find it here, but I'm, I'm trying to hurry, but no, that's fine. Um, no rush, no rush. that's okay. Uh, but the mother, Shirley's mother was heartbroken. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it says yeah because she treated right. she thought of Donald like a son. That's right. But of course, Shirley and her dad were extremely happy about that. Um, yes, she said that in that same interview. She said her mom essentially went into mourning. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, um, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, but I it, forgot it about also that. So it didn't end there. Um, did you find a part in where what you were researching, uh, how it was in the 1980s? No, no. With please, this story. Please share. Um, that's, oh, oh, no, I just lost my web page. <laughs> well, do you need me to pause then real quick? So you can find yes, it? Yes, please. All right, hold on. We'll be, we'll, uh, actually, let's do the time traveling excursion. Hold on, boys and girls. We shall return. Yeah. So like what I, what I wanted to say before we get to that point was that uh, um, in the research that I was doing, there is like a, a part of this that happened in the 80s with this story where um, Shirley, as in a, you know, grown adult, she was like, I couldn't, I can't find the, um, or can't get hooked up with the uh, actual part that I could read, but she was somewhere uh, like in a shop or something like that. I can't remember, but this lady went up to her, uh, supposedly a psychic lady and told her that there was a young boy that was connected to her. And um, I can't remember if she said what the little boy's name was, but he had a message for Shirley to tell her that he was sorry for everything that he had done to them and done to really? her when she was, uh, when she was younger growing up. Oh, so, she, oh, okay. So the psychic is telling Shirley that. Yeah. Just walked up to her in this public place. Didn't know her. That she has a message from a young boy. That's connected to her. Yeah. Of a spirit of a young boy. I wanted to apologize to what he had caused. <clears throat> everything that he had done. Yep. Oh, that's bizarre. Yeah. Really? So, so is that implying that that the that the poltergeist was a young boy as well, or is it just moved on to inhabit another uh, a young boy? I mean, that that's tough for me well, to wrap a, that my head around that one. I know the spirit of a young boy. So maybe could it have been a young boy that was doing this and and uh, taking on different identities and yeah, and, that's and doing all thinking. these things. Um, but for whatever reason, a young, the spirit of a young boy would be doing all <laughs> these things infatuated with a British young British actor, you know, I, you know, crazy. there's a lot of things that are just odd about it that, that you, you can't come up with an answer for. That is, it, it is very odd. Like we were, we were talking about during our time traveling excursion there, Mike, we were saying like, why would this, you know, entity be infatuated with this actor? Yeah, especially if it was somebody from what the 17th century or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, uh, you know. And then, um, so I just threw out. I was like, "Well, is this actor like the uh, reincarnated version of someone that the spirit knew 
you know, was a companion with back during their initial existence, you know? And so, yeah. So this could it actually have been the spirit of a young boy that, uh, um, it was more contemporary when he was alive and, yeah. you know, and was, you know, a big fan of this actor. That's weird, man. That's a, that's a bizarre twist on there, but it's something to definitely, it, it, yeah, it's tough to put I don't know. and wrap it's your head odd. around, but it's something to ponder. That's for sure. Uh, but before we had to uh, time travel, some of these, uh, uh, some of the uh, explanations, Mike. We uh, we need to dive into a couple of these, right? Potential explanations. Potential, for these, yes. For these uh, occurrences, potential explanations, theories, and whatnot. Uh, some point to the noises coming from the house simply being located on an uneasy marshland. Hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, others suggest that acid in the soil could lead to madness. <laughs> uh, leaded paint chips <laughs> I mean, in their oatmeal. I mean, and, <laughs> or porridge, I should say. Sorry, that's a, that, I finally realized what you said. That was funny. <laughs> um, I guess apparently the family cats even ended up being analyzed really? by, uh, by uh, a <laughs> I bet that cat uh, was, was happy about that. Oh Giving pissed off looks at don't touch me. Now, obviously we, we, we've already <laughs> kind of talked about the, the potential, the theory that um, people themselves, particularly young girls, uh, you know, around that age are behind poltergeist activity. Well, Mike, what do you think? What 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 is going on here? I mean, I'm I'm not even going to go on and read any more of these because they're just to me they're silly. But I think there was a confused ghost or a ghost that was having fun. Can I just say something really quick again? Too many different ways. I just want to say something really. Hmm? I want to say something quick again. Okay, go ahead. Acid in the soil leads to <laughs> madness. Okay, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's 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 no worse than leaded paint chips in their <laughs> no. porridge. It's like, come on. It's like, come on. Now. And come I on. made that one up. That, that was good. That was good. But well, anyway, yeah. anyway, I, you know, I think it's a paranormal event. I think there's a, um, I don't, it's poltergeist activity and some of it extreme, uh, but all these dear weird twists and turns that it takes, I, I can't explain that. I mean, mm -hmm. right. I mean, you're talking about, I don't like, know. You're I'm talking at a about loss. Like, you're talking about like the, the twist, just the odd twists and turns of like the infatuation aspect and the, yeah. And the actor involved in that. And, and right. They own the actor involved in a near fatal car accident after yeah. saying, you know, Donald I, threatening yeah. or saying that, you know, you better do this or, you know, something's going to happen and we'll yeah. behold it happened. It's so it's, it's, it's obviously a very strong entity, something with a lot of energy, a lot of power, which, it, which means it can't be just your regular house haunting spirit that needs to get energy from something. Well, you know, if, unless it was getting energy from the girl's emotions, you know, which makes it more of a poltergeist activity, but, um, I don't think it was a, a, a Frenchman from hundreds of years ago or whatever. I, I don't. Okay. Okay. I don't buy that. 
um, you know, the little boy coming, coming up in the eighties, apologizing for all this stuff. Talk about a you weird know, twist. That's you know, that, that's twist. a really weird twist. Um, no, you can't have been a, this little boy the whole time. You can't you sit know. there. You can't sit there and think that this, and I, I'm not saying suggesting that this is what you think, Mike, but I'm, I should say one can't sit there and think that this is a benign and malevolent, purely benign and malevolent or a benevolent uh, entity. And we were talking yeah, about fires being set in this house. Yeah. The and scratches the and the scratches, the burns. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, come on now. This isn't just something trying to simply get attention here. This is something that is intentionally trying to cause some physical harm. So mm -hmm. I, that's another odd twist on it because it just doesn't match up with the idea of it being simply in, you know, infatuation, you know, there's that word again, yeah. you know, an attachment yeah. it, and even obsession. This goes beyond obsession in the, in, a, yeah. in some ways it does, but uh, I don't know, man, this is a tough one to wrap my head around. It is. Uh, I don't know. I think something it, was happening. I think something was happening. Yeah. That was supernatural. That's for sure. It's a bizarre haunting, but you know, there are a lot of bizarre hauntings like this where, well, you know, a lot of poltergeist, polter, poltergeist, <laughs> poltergeist. That's the second time Polter, you said poltergeist. Poltergeist, <laughs> um, poltergeist uh, activity that, you know, like the bell witch and the, um, you know, uh, things like the, the movie, the entity or the, that, the story that oh, goes behind, behind that. The Enfield is, poltergeist. I mean, that's another, another one that I love the Enfield poltergeist story. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many that this is just like another story in line with all these other ones that it has its own category. You know, yeah, they have their own category to be in. And this one fits in with that, that um, you can't completely explain and you have to try to decide what's real and what's, you know, fabricated or what might be fabricated or what might be exaggerated. You know, there's just so many things you have to think about before you no. really can put a, a an explanation or come up with an idea of an explanation even. Yeah. Or an, uh, even an inkling of an idea. Right. <laughs> you know? Sure. Now, again, I'm repeating myself, but this one, this is a tough one to wrap my head around. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely leaning towards it being a supernatural occurrence though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mike, we need to wrap up the show, but we have a long way to go. We need to wrap it up with one last take on, Oh, a wee little story called the Amityville horror. Uh, yeah, I hope you have your thinking cap on, or at least your opinionated thinking cap yeah, on. Because I have that. No shades of gray. It's either yay or nay when it comes to one last take, my friends. So uh, let's take our final time traveling excursion. Don't go anywhere, boys and girls. We shall be all right. A back. <laughs> all right, we are back for. One last take. No shades of gray. It's either yay or nay. Bogus or real, Mike. I don't care how how um, we may look at it either way. It's like, well, I kind of believe it, but, or I don't really believe it, but. No, nope. <sighs> we have to decide. We have to choose. This is a tough one. Yay or nay. I, I, I'm i starting to love, well, I'm not starting, but as listeners know, longtime listeners know, this is my favorite segment of the shows because we just basically riff off the top of our heads and share our worthless opinions. So it's good. I like it. And Mike, before we go any further, I'd be remiss, though. I have to say something. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> totally unrelated to the topic. Say it. 
I, I, I totally unrelated to the topic, but the other night I purchased a movie on Vudu for four dollars and ninety nine cents. A movie that I used to watch over and over and over in the nineteen late nineteen eighties when I was a young man, a very young man, and I just I watched this movie to the point of memorizing it. Mm. Classic horror pick. A remake starring the one and only Jeff Goldblum. Mm. Is it The Fly? The Fly, Mike. I I love that movie. I bought that. I hadn't seen that for years, and I saw that available on the weekly deals. I was like, I'm buying it. And I watched yep. it, and it's like, oh I my love that movie. gosh, that movie was so good. <laughs> Mr. Goldblum at his best. I mean, he was, I caught a little bit of a terrific uh, in that movie. Like his, about a week or so ago on TV. Oh, did I didn't you? Get, just like the last quarter of it, maybe, if even that. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just so classic. I mean, and so different from the original, you know. Oh, it God. Just, it's, I think that Jeff Goldblum's acting was terrific in that movie. Oh, absolutely. I think I'm, all I'm, of Jeff Goldblum's acting is terrific. Yeah, I love that man. It's not, it's not like I'm saying I want anything. a lock of his chest hair. <laughs> I don't think he has <laughs> no, I'm any. Just kidding. Um, it's not like I'm. It's not like I said some profound, unique statement there. I think he's a fine actor. I mean, my yeah. gosh, that was ridiculous. Oh, I made it like when, what? Uh, like when his ear falls off, or he, <laughs> he's looking at his finger in the mirror, and then he squeezes it and it just squirts yeah. all over. And oh god, that part when he starts pulling his fingernails off of his yeah. fingers, I hate that. Very bad. I hate it. I hate the sound effects, but I love it. It's just like Ugh. yeah. Oh, be afraid. Be very afraid. And I, I will say this, though. As much as I love the movie, as much as I love it, <laughs> I could watch the first hour of the movie a hundred times more than I watched the last 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah. I never liked his grotesque yeah. disintegration. Like, <laughs> I mean, And then in, in the complete oh, disintegration at man. the end where, well, then he, you know, he becomes him and the, the pod, you know, Become come together. One. And, yep. Yeah, Brundle Fly. I mean, it, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love all of it, but if I had to just watch one half, I'd watch the first half. <laughs> yeah, as he's progressing and yeah. starts. Then when he starts puking on things before he eats yeah, it, then it's like no thanks, <laughs> no thanks. Yes, it, it, dose of enzymes on these donuts before yep. I slurp it back up. Yep, a, a, a corrosive <laughs> enzyme. You know, yep. that he then he slurps it back up. <laughs> Yep. I just love how he acts. Oh man! <laughs> and then, and then the uh, the arm wrestling scene in the in the bar breaks the guy's arm literally yeah, out of destroys his skin. it. Yeah. And Gina Davis, she was very good in it. She, oh, of course, of course. Yeah, the, the way she portrayed complete and utter terror, yeah, and and emotion in in parts of that was pretty awesome. Nope, she definitely did not like. Uh, I mean. Yeah, when she was struggling to put him out of his misery at the end in the yeah. state that he was in, yeah, and yep. she still struggled to do that. I mean, yep. she obviously the character uh, was truly in love with with Brundle because yep. she just couldn't do it. Well, Mike Amityville Horror. I'm sorry about that little excursion into uh, yeah, the, the fly. But right. I needed to get that off my 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 fly chest. <clears throat> well, uh, 
when it comes to one last take, we spare everybody with most of the details because usually these stories are well known and our listeners are intelligent people. They know the story of Amityville Horror. Oh, yeah. Um, the Lutz family moving into the house after Ron DeFeo killed, murdered, slaughtered six family members in 1975, yes. is, I believe it yeah, was. Let's get who is still it. serving six consecutive life sentences. Well, he died, though, in 19, in uh, last year. He passed away in well, prison. Then, then he's not. <laughs> then he's not. You know, he served his sentence, and it was 1974 when Ron DeFeo shot and killed six members of his family. And when I brought this up to Bridget, when I said, yeah, we're doing... You know, one last take tonight on Amityville Horror. Bridge is kind of an expert on this, so she just loves the story. Um, she has, she owns an original copy of the book that has literally the pages are falling out because it was read so much by her mother when her mom mm-hmm. owned it back in the day, and she handed it down to Bridget. But the first thing that Bridget brought up when I asked her, I said, like, you know, your your thoughts if you have to say yay or nay essentially to this. The first thing that she said, she goes like, well, why didn't anyone wake up? when sure six people are being killed by shotgun blasts yeah and no one woke up i mean what's going on there i mean and what's the deal with yeah and ron defeo himself changed his story uh-huh. many times that's the thing i mean you can't sit there and you know you can't go back and forth you can't say one thing and then oh wait no by the way i was mistaken or i forgot to mention this no your story uh gets less and less uh viable the more you change mm-hmm. so <clears throat> we will read a couple of uh stats here yeah but the thing is is that you know stats. there was the murders that took place that is oh what definite. yeah oh 100 it's a tragedy absolute you know tragedy. everything you know before the lutzes um uh moved in it was a real tragic event and anything after that is spec you know who who can speculate but the lutzes mom and dad they did pass a lie detector test on what was going on there they did they did you know but say what you say what you will about lie detector tests some people say they're a bunch of hogwash i mean right they say all you simply have to learn to you know breathe properly and you'll pass a lie detector Mm -hmm. test. you know don't get nervous basically that's what you do yeah but i would you be able to pass a lie detector test mike even if I was innocent, I don't know if I could. That's the thing. That's the thing. They're terrifying. That's why they're not admissible. Yeah. That you can't use I, them I, in court yeah, because I, I mean they're just you can't base anything upon yeah. a lie detector test. You just can't. Well, they are inadmissible in court, even, aren't they? That's what I just said. <laughs> yes, see, that's how I don't listen to you. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> I, I know, I know. You, yeah, well, see, you ignore I, me. I'm watching you talk, okay? Yeah. On, on, you know, because we see, we can see each other when we're doing this recording. Yeah. And there are, there are moments where, you know, I'm watching you talk, and then all of a sudden, just blurs. I mean, I mean, I can see you, but hmm. the vocalization just goes into just garble and and then it'll come back and so i miss things so what uh, you know what are you like the charlie brown teachers like that, that that's what you're hearing is like wah, wah, sometimes wah, sometimes my mind wah, wah, without even me thinking about it will wah, have wah. to shut you out wah, 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 <laughs> wah, wah, wah. anyway i'm just trying to make excuses for me not <laughs> catching what you said <laughs> so anyway we shall carry on do you think I, oh, oh, that's one thing I did write down. I wanted to say this real quick. Um, 
the name Amityville, when you hear it nowadays, it immediately conjures up just like a, you, you're like, Ugh. you know, you get that feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's bad. That's just like, not cool. Amityville. Yeah. No. Yeah. Creepy. They, they've, and they've got sharks there. <laughs> that's Amity. No, no, there is a difference, Mike. <laughs> There's a difference. But, uh, but you, I, I think you see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. The name literally means like friendship town, friendship village. Yeah. You know, it's it's like such a sweet sounding name, Amityville. Oh, come stay at Amityville. It's wonderful, but it doesn't mean that at all anymore, does it? Yeah, that one event and and everything that reportedly purportedly happened after has changed that. Uh, yeah, at, like we said, it was November 13th. We should get a couple of stats here, right? November 13th, mm-hmm. 1974. I said 75. I was wrong. Uh, Ron DeFeo Jr. shot and <clears> killed <throat> six members of his family at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville on the south shore of Long Island, New York. He was convicted of second-degree murder in November 1975, sentenced to six sentences of 25 years to life in prison. And as I mentioned to Mike, and apparently uh, new news to Mike, um, he died. Yeah, in, I didn't think of it. He died in custody in March of just last year, 2021. The family of George and Kathy Lutz, the married family, married couple, I should say, George and Kathy Lutz, and their three children, the family then moved into the house, but only after 28 days, after just 28 days, I should say, they moved out of the house claiming to have been terrorized by paranormal, paranormal, paranormal <laughs> phenomena. While living in the house. Well, it's more than just paranormal phenomenon. It was like yeah. ridiculously crazy. They could have called it Donald. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like I said, Mike, we're, we're going to spare a lot of the crazy right. stories. Um, we'll try and hit on a few of them here and there. One thing that always bothered me about this is that the lawyer who defended Ron DeFeo back in the mm-hmm. 1970s, he came out and said that the book Amityville Horror was simply written by mm-hmm. he, the author, J. J. Anson, and George and Kathy Lutz themselves over, quote-unquote, several bottles of wine. Right. That was after he had a falling out with them so uh, and well, was right. no longer friendly with them. Right. So I don't know. Could it have been some kind of a retribution thing or like, I'm going to piss them off and say this or, Very or true. was it actual, you know, you know, and jo- George and Kathy, they did file lawsuits, uh, uh, you know, against him after the fact. Yeah. I mean, just that that starts to muddle everything up right there. I think mm-hmm. George is quoted as to say, George actually was quoted to say that most of the story was true. Mm-hmm. But again, even if 5% of the story was true, that's still enough to be terrifying and right. um, considered a haunting. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how many... Essentially, all horror stories, if they have if they are based on even an inkling of truth... 99% of what you see on screen, if it's turned into a movie, is pure drama, pure right. uh, made-up fiction, just to enhance mm-hmm. enhance the story itself. Rarely, rarely do they not do justice to the true story, which Andrea Perrin claims was the case for the Conjuring mm-hmm. films. She says that the Conjuring did not do, didn't show you 
10% of what really went on in that house. Right. And Travis Walton says things about uh, fire in the sky as well. Oh, great point, Mike. Great. Mm-hmm. He says, yep, 100% there. I agree with you. So, I, again, we're already kind of treading on wishy-washy uh, soil here. Yeah. <laughs> wishy-washy soil. Kind of swampy. Do you have any memories, Mike, of when this... I do. When this first came into national prominence back in the 70s? I remember seeing it on the news, like the nightly news. The Oh, you do, actually? Yeah. The Chet Huntley, Walter Cronkite, no or whoever kidding. it was. Can you talk about I don't that know. I don't know who it was that I was seeing on this news thing. But yeah, I, have, I had talked about this once before when we were talking about the Amityville Horror that um, I remember seeing and 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 I, I hope I'm not getting it mixed up with a documentary that I saw, but I'm almost sure that when I saw it on the news, um, it showed like the front of the house showed the cops out there and showed the flashing lights and it had and it uh, showed the police tape and everything. And I swear that it was it was before Ronnie DeFeo was arrested and he was talking on the news with the reporter. And because I remember how he looked and everything and and uh, how he was talking about, I don't remember exactly what he said about what happened or anything, but um, but that's my memory of seeing it on the news. And I, like that's I said, crazy. I hope I'm not getting that mixed up with something else, but um, that's like a memory that I have of when it first came out. That's awesome, though, that you actually, but I mean, you were, well, you were a young man when this happened. Yeah, it was what year again? Well, the murders was 74. Yeah. So, um, so I was 12 years old, yeah, old enough to very much aware, aware him. Yeah. Now we should point out that the Lutzes were made aware of the murders before they decided to move in. Okay. They did know that happened, but they were, ba- they basically, it was too good of a deal for them to turn down. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was a nice, nice, uh, locale. Oh, beautiful um, house, you know, that, uh, house. you know, like the, the, the water in the back there and everything in the boathouse and yeah, absolutely fun stuff. I'm just kind of perusing some of the, I want to make, I want to find <clears throat> some notes to hit on here, but without, you, you know, know you know, and if another, while you're doing that, it's another thing about this, this house yeah. is that, you know, when you're. You know, there's the style of the windows, the Amityville yes. horror house windows. Yes. You cannot see a house that you're driving by or see in anything that might even have a, a something that's close to what they look like. And you think Amityville horror. Oh, absolutely. Every know, single time. Yeah. Every it's those, time. Those windows, when you see them from the outside looking at the house or like when you're in that room and uh, and you're you're or when they show in that room looking out, you know, in that attic area uh, or bedroom or whatever it was, but, um, and picturing the, the pig with glowing eyes out the window. Oh and, God. Yeah. That's all. Oh, uh, what, like that. what did they call that? It was some girl's name that, well, we that have... the kid uh, named that. I can't remember what it was, but, um, remind me, we will, I'll definitely look that up. Um, yeah. Cause this is, this is coming back to me right now because we did talk about this on an episode of the alternate Row podcast. Yeah. During a, a was it imp- like Jody or something like that? I can't remember. It was during our, driving. during our infamous hauntings <clears throat> episode where we talked about right. um, like the, the haunting that the movie, the entity was based upon yeah. um, the Amityville horror. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm failing to remember what the other one was, but 
Right. Um, it's creepy. They're like I said, Mike. They're iconic. The visual is iconic. Yeah. The, but those, did you know that uh, homeowners since then? I mean, and the house has been lived in by many families. Yes. Yes. Who and each one of them say they have never experienced anything paranormal in there while they're living there. Nothing has happened. But over the time of people living there, they have actually changed those windows. So those windows aren't even on the house anymore. Right. It, yep. Yeah. So. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> people identify it with so much, I'd probably be able to drive by. You know, just to, to to see that and see the windows and, you know, and probably still do. And also, it's an interesting thing is that on Google Maps, that house is blurred out for some reason. Wow. I didn't know that. Seriously. Really? Yeah. I, I was looking at little tidbits and facts about it. And like the houses, the houses otherwise in the area, you can see right. perfectly fine. But that one is blurred out. And I don't know if that's that can happen on different things for different reasons at different places and locations, but, uh, mm. you know, but their house, that house is mm. blurred out on Google maps Listeners, and the it, address has changed from what it was back then. Listeners, let us know, um, of any reasons that you are aware of why a house would be uh, blurred out on Google maps. Like yeah. that. that's kind of interesting. Yeah. It could be a, a simple, you know, not a big deal reason sure. who knows, of course. but of course. yeah, it's just an interesting thing about that house that, you know, uh, Mike, let's try and fly through some of this. Okay. After moving in December 18, uh, 1875, December 18th, 1975, your friend of George Lutz learned about the history of the house and insisted on having the house blessed. John was a non-practicing Methodist. Kathy was a non-practicing Catholic. George knew a Catholic priest named Father Ray who agreed to carry out, carry on with the house blessing. Father Father Ray Mancuso was a lawyer, also a judge of the Catholic court, and a psychotherapist. Interesting. Hmm. Wow. That's a lot lot of stuff to juggle. Uh, He arrived to perform the blessing while George and Kathy were unpacking on the afternoon of December 18th and went to the building carrying out the rites. When he flicked the first holy water and began to pray, he said he heard a masculine voice demand that he, quote-unquote, get out. Get out. And I think in the movie they portray it as like the house is like the room starts shaking. Yeah, and, and the flies and everything. And Right. Now, was that the movie or was that the book? I can't pull it right now, but I know something was described or it was just like the room literally was like rumbling and get out. Well, in the movie it was uh, the get out and it said, I think it said it a few times and it, until it almost screamed, get out! Right. And hey, then the flies one, are buzzing all over the place and Jesus. Yeah. That kind of creeped me out that you just did that. It's like, I'm yes, sorry. And well, who was it? Rod Steiger. He got sick and puked when he got out the front door and yeah. over the railing <laughs> because it was no. so bad. And then in the movie, didn't, uh, didn't he get in a car accident, get killed too, or something like that? I can't remember. It's been so long. I, I, yeah. I I'm not going to be, um, well, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I've watched a movie recently because I haven't. It's been years since I've seen it, so my my bad. Me too. But uh, to continue here, it says, when leaving the house, Father Mancuso did not mention this incident to either George or Kathy. Hey, why would you, right? I mean, come on, dude. Tell him. Why would he not tell them? Uh, On returning to the house, Father Mancuso called George Lutz and advised him to stay out of the second floor room where he heard the mysterious voice. That's right. So he was still alive. He didn't get killed. The former bedroom of Mark and John Matthew DeFeo he heard the mysterious voice from the former bedroom of Mark and John Ma- John Matthew DeFeo and that Kathy planned to use that room as a sewing room. 
But then the call was cut short by static. Interesting. Now, following his visit to the house, Father Mancuso allegedly developed a high fever and blisters on his hands, similar to stigmata. Ooh. <laughs> I, we've done several conversations on stigmata. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. Now, at first, George and Kathy experienced nothing unusual in the house. Talking about their experiences subsequently, though, they reported that it was as, as if they were each living in a different house. So they they start, and I think the movie portrayed them as that too. Like they were, the couple, the relationship was kind of withering, wasn't it? So yeah, like they felt yeah, more and more it just st- got worse after things were happening. And yeah, yep. Now by mid January nineteen seventy six, after another attempt at a house blessing by George and Kathy, they experienced what would turn out to be their final night in the house. The Lutzes declined to give a full account of the events that took place on this occasion, describing them simply as being too frightening. And all sorts of lovely shit happened, but we're not going to bore our listeners with that because everyone yeah. has heard this a thousand times over and over right. and over again. And we won't give George, a, we won't give it justice. Yeah. George Lutz, I think too, he was uh he was into the occult and things before yes. all of this went on. And so he was like you know, well, the movie kind of portrayed him again. I'm just going by the movie memories. Then wasn't he? Mm-hmm. They kind of portrayed him as being like uh, the focal point. He was almost like the one who's bringing in the negative energy from you know, right. And the yeah, like th- he was changing so much and turning just cold all the time. Kept on yeah. putting logs on the fireplace and yes. wearing a nice chenille sweater. <laughs> And things like that in a in a in a uh, silky scarf. Didn't he have a very and, very in an ascot? Didn't he have a very handsome beard too? Or am I thinking he did? He had yeah. Uh, yeah. As only James Brolin can look in a beard. Yes, very good, very good. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we better wrap up, but we have so much to dive into here, uh, Mike. Um, okay, the facts: a tragic murder occurred there. Six people were yep, brutally no about that. Brutally slaughtered by a, a flippin' family member who obviously was suffering from problems. And he his story cla- changed so often, he claimed that he was mm-hmm. told to do it. He was possessed by something that made him do it, and he was going back Heard and forth. Heard the voices that told him to do it, yeah. I mean, it's again, when you change your story, though, I mean, what are we supposed to think? Uh, yeah, the, your, the credibility, you know, it... Yeah. It lessens with each story change. He was obviously a mentally unstable person. I mean, that's yeah. something you can't deny whatever the cause, whatever the root cause. Uh, the Lutzes move in, claim to be forced essentially to move out due to paranormal phenomena that was frightening beyond reason. And the legend lives on, Mike. There's something about the Amityville horror that this story mm-hmm. just does not go away. It won't go away. It won't quit. It won't quit. It I'm just glad will. they quit making movies. Well, no, it. they're going to. I guarantee you they'll oh, make Jesus. another one. I, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm guarantee you they'll make another one. Oh, and oh they will. You haven't heard of it, but you're no, scared. No, 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 no. But why would they not? I mean, another I know. 10 years from now, there'll be another rendering of it. Um, another. Oh, rend- sure. Like everything else. They'll do a remake yeah. of uh, a reboot of the original. And But why is that? What is it about this? Is it just... <laughs> Is it because of the sensation that the book was, and it's just it just reverberated so much throughout the consciousness of America and the world that well we just can't get past this idea, this phenomena, that this this horror that Amityville became. I mean, why does well, this not go away? The book helped, I'm sure, and whatever goes along with that. But the fact that all of this stuff came out that was supposedly happening in this house started after this gruesome, violent 
crime that was committed. Yes. I mean, this is based on something that is so real yes. and happened. I mean, the son killing his mom and dad and killing the other kids. I mean, that alone There's and no, anything. No dispute. Built, yeah. You know, you know, anything built off of that and pur- purported to be real because of this event. I mean, that right there is just going to just sure the energy to, to, to blow it up and, and just go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the Lutzes, they could have known that they had a great story here and they could build off of it and, and make some money. And I, I don't know how much money they've made or whatever, but, uh, you know, and if it was purely done out of exploitation, you know, then shame on them. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not saying that it was, but I'm just no, saying no. if if that was the sole reason for this occurrence, for this book to be written, I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I get why it. Move, why I move out of it. this house after 28 days? You know, what did they lose from doing that? You know, do they get their money back or what? I mean, very true. You yeah. know, you know, does it, did they take that chance of losing whatever out of that just to, you know, you know, be another basis for this story that uh you know mike and that's another thing that's that's another reason as to why the story doesn't why the story continues to fascinate people is because there mm-hmm. are still little tidbits of mystery to it i mean yeah. they're, they're too many always, questions that can't be answered too many questions that, that like you said yep will never be answered and so right. everyone everyone is left to their own devices right. everyone's left to their own opinions and their takes yeah. which is wet which is wet, which is where we are going, Mike. Yay or nay, no shades of gray. Mm. I'm putting mm. you on the spot, Mike. You can't sit there and rank it one out I of know. ten. You can't sit there and say, well, I do believe this, but I don't believe this part. You have to say yay or nay. Believer or not, hoax or reality, haunting or fake, Mike. Well, I am going say? to say uh, with... Uh, you know, and without having a, a deathbed confession of it not being real or being a, a hoax or whatever, yet, if we will ever get that, I doubt it. But did this happen? Did, did, uh, is there a haunting that went on after the murders with the first family that moved into there because of the energy being so strong after this death, these deaths occurred and these murders occurred? For that first family, yes, something happened. So, yes, you okay? You in perhaps the most vague way possible. I think you said, "Yay, yay. okay." <laughs> yeah, but you know, but that's also you because, know, Mike. You you realize not, what you just said? You said, "Yes, something happened." Yes, something happened. I mean, supernaturally. Not, I mean, supernaturally. You're talking about. Something supernatural okay. happened to that family. Gotcha. And then where they decided to go with it after that is, you know, where we're at now. So, so. you're going to say yay. It, yes, yay, a haunting. And, well, not like, yay, woohoo, yay. No, not yes. that, but, um, okay, okay, that's, a, that's, that's, that's. And I'm not saying that everything in those movies, well, like, how much of it is real, like we were talking about. Right. How much of the story is real. You know, I'm not saying I believe all of that, but you, have, you can't. You have to pick a side, and you're picking it. Being, I, I, I picked it. Yep, yeah, I picked a side. You're picking it being reality. 
Damn it, now I have to pick something. <laughs> hmm. Mike, do you mind if I take a moment and... Uh... Dude, run! Yeah, I just, I don't... <laughs> well, um, I hate to disappoint our many, many listeners. But yet again, if I have to choose something... Bum, bum, ba, bum. I don't want to bother looking for that sound effect. I have to say nay. <laughs> I have to say no. I have to say yep. it's an exploitive hoax on a yep. real, true life tragedy. And I hate saying it. It bothers me saying that. But this is what one last take is all about. I'm not yeah, saying absolutely. I don't believe some of the aspects of the story of the haunting itself. I'm not saying it's not possible to be an actual legit haunting. But we're forced to choose something, Mike, and I'm saying <laughs> nay, hoax. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I'm sorry. I'm no. Everyone's so disappointed in me right now. I'm. I'm. I, I apologize, but that's that's why. No, all, that's okay. About. I mean, yay or nay. No shade of gray. No shade and, of gray. Uh, that's a new, you know, new catchphrase, right? <laughs> and I, yeah, it is. For this, it is. Um, you know, how can I disappoint our listeners by saying I don't believe that shit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so you're saying that you're not being truthful in your take? Well, I am. No, I am being truthful. Okay, I am being truthful. All right. And I want to believe. I cannot let it go as just an exploitive. No. Um. But you. Story. But you truthfully, definitely lean towards you pick the side of it being real. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And that's what's okay. That's what's all about, buddy. Well, Mike, wow, we're at an hour and 35 minutes. That's a pretty long one for the Paranomaly Zone. So I'm, it is. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of ourselves. Even though we were uh, forced to deal with some poltergeist-like activity ourselves tonight with our uh, technical problems, yeah. the audio yeah. issues, um, freezing up. I'm looking at you every now and then. It still freezes up on me, but that's okay. Um, hmm. You're fine. You're you're the you're the paranormal poster boy. So if anything is if if I'm forced to stare at anybody, I want to stare at the paranormal mm. poster boys. So uh -huh. uh, there you go. I, I tell you, that's I am gonna terrible. I'm gonna put together a, a poster or something, <laughs> a meme or a gif of or something of yeah that shows me as a poist poister, <laughs> the <laughs> poster boy of paranormal, the poster boy of the paranormal. Very good. I like. I that. like that. Yeah. Hmm. Well. Or you could be a poister and look like you're in a, a shell, like a clam shell. Yes. I'm a poister. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyways, dumb joke. Well, <sighs> thank you, everybody, for Patrick tuning tries. in. I tries. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> uh, damn it, I hurt his feelings. Now, I, I'm not going to hear from him from a, for a week. I'm just trying. Because to... he's hurt. I hurt his feelings. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm trying, you know that. I'm trying to find a, appropriate music right now. Large, large sobbing sounds. <laughs> this is this is what's going. This is, oh, quit now, Patrick! Your makeup's running. Jesus. This is, this is what's go, going <laughs> through my heart right now. <sighs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> It's been a wonderful conversation with my buddy Mike. <laughs> Anyways, 
Well, thanks, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I'll still sleep good, well. Good no worries. No worries. Yeah, it was a good conversation. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this. Everybody. Hopefully entertaining episode of the Paranomaly Zone. Mike, yeah. until next time, what do our awesome listeners need to do, my friend? Peace out. God, don't do that with your freaking lips. Okay. <laughs> Bye.